a specialized pulpit <laughs> for short people like myself. How are you all doing tonight? Okay, great. Thank you. Oh, just be careful. Well, the title of the sermon is Live Your Best Life Now. And we're looking at James chapter 4 tonight, 11 to 17. And, you know, um, we've been talking about in our, at our church in Richmond Hill, it's still a new year. God still has things that he wants us to do this new year. God has blessings he wants to give us in this new year. And so um, this is, a, the title's been inspired by the passage, but also that we are still, even though this is the fourth Sunday, to continue to just look to God for what he has for us for 2020. Amen? And so live your best life now. I'm going to read the scripture, and then we'll pray together. This is what James says. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do that, do this and that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just open our hearts to you. We thank you for the service so far. Thank you for our time of singing and worshiping unto you. Thank you for the song by Jan. Thank you for our scripture reading and this video, Lord. We just thank you for everything, Lord. We pray that as we look to your word, we pray that it will speak to us. We know that your word has the power to speak to us. We know that the word is still alive today, and we know that the word is applicable to us today. So we pray in these moments that you give us wisdom, you give us grace, but you give us a receptive, receptive heart that we would listen and actually hear from you, Lord. And I do pray that the words that come out of my mouth will be the words that you want me to communicate, God. So we thank you for this time, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for the word. In Jesus' name, amen. This uh, part of the Bible, um, James, is written by a man named James who is the half-brother of Jesus and a follower of God. And he's writing to the church to expose hypocritical practices happening in the church and to give godly instruction to the people of God. And so we are in chapter 4 of the, the letter uh, or the book of James. And if you go from the beginning of James chapter one, James is actually one of my favorite books to read because it's very practical, uh, lots of wisdom, lots of good counsel. And from the beginning, James talks about, you know, sometimes we go through hardships in life, but sometimes our hardship, it helps us to build character, to build perseverance. And he, he is saying this because he knows as a Christian, we're gonna go through hard times. And if you're going through a hard time right now, I just want you to just continue to uh, have faith in God, continue to trust the Lord, pray through the season, and uh, we are believing and trusting that we will be better on the other side. Also, in the, in the book of James, in uh, chapter, I believe, uh, 2 or still chapter 1, he talks about listening to God's word and doing the word of God. So God doesn't just want us to hear the word. He wants us to hear the word and to do the word. Amen? Amen. And so that is sometimes the trouble we fall in. Sometimes we hear the word well, but then we don't do the word. And it's really important for us to obey God. Then in another part of the Bible, in that, in that same uh, book, he talks about, you know, we shouldn't show favoritism to people. We need to treat everybody with love and respect. Amen. 
And so even if someone doesn't look like you, God calls us, we are all made in the image of God. We are called to love and show respect to people. Amen? And then in another part, he talks about wisdom. If you don't have, um, there's two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom from God and the wisdom from the devil. And we need to follow the wisdom of the Lord. And so here in verse 13 now, as we get to chapter uh, 4, it says, James says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. So you will notice that James is talking about people who are making future plans. And how do we know he's talking about people in the church making future plans? Because it's in the future tense. It says, something, says here, James says, we will go, we will spend, we will carry, we will make money. And who are these people that James were referring to? These were people in the church, uh, even specifically people who were traders, uh, business people, people who had money. Um, trading was uh, custom back then. Uh, people would trade from city to city carrying their goods uh, on the backs of camels. Now, James is not against traveling He's not against having goals. He's not against having business goals. He's not against uh, you making money per se. But he did have a problem or an issue with the people of God who focused more on their personal goals than on being devoted to the Lord and having, putting their personal goals above God's plans. James was saying, he, he was saying what he was saying because he was tack tackling an attitude from the people of God. Because nothing in their heart, nothing in their conversation or in their plans included God, right? Look at the verse. It says, today we are going to go to the city, spend a year, carry on business and make money. And they were making plans apart from God. And rather than focus on what does God want me to do today or in the future, or ask questions like, how can I do something that will glorify God? Or how can I be part of expanding the kingdom of God? For example, like, today or tomorrow, I will visit someone who is sick. Or today or tomorrow, I will pray for somebody who needs prayer. Or I will give my money to spread the gospel. No, rather, they were making their own plans. And this is number one in your notes today. As we think about living our best life for God, we need to include God in our plans. Amen? Amen. So it's good to have plans. Like, it's good to have goals. Like, I'm a very, I'm a structured person. I like goals. I have goals and plans that I have too. It's good to save your money. It's good to, to, to buy a property. It's good to get married, have kids, to go to school, travel. But those plans and goals will disappoint you when you leave God out. Amen. Or you act like God doesn't exist. And God does exist, and guess what? He can change your plans Amen. and rearrange your plans. So make your plans, but make them loosely and make sure God is at the center of those plans. Amen? Amen. Personally, for me, I have, I have had plans. You know, I knew I was going to go to high school. I knew I was going to go to university, and I did all that. And then I had a plan. You know, my plan was to get married and have five kids and live happily ever after. That was my plan. And uh, as you know, it hasn't totally gone that way. But there's some other things that I didn't plan for and God asked me to do. Like he asked me to do my master's so I get, can get ready to be a pastor. He asked me to church plant. That was not part of my plan per se. 
He asked me to do some traveling for work. He asked me to teach the Word of God and to give generously to the Word of God. And, and so we have to remember we have our plans, but so does God. God, his, God has his plans for our life too. This is an important question today. Are you including God in your plans? Are you open to God changing your plans? Is God first priority in your life? Because we have our plans and God has his plans and we have to make sure God's plans come first before our plans. Amen? James was saying what he was saying because he did not like that the people of God were out to make money, to make fortune, and make their plans more important than their devotion to God. And here's why he was saying this. Verse 14 says, Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanish. Poof, you're gone. James makes it clear, life is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. In fact, we don't even know what's going to happen tonight. We're not God. He says you are a mist that appears for a little while and then you vanish. In other words, you're like a point in a line. You're a dot in eternity. We are finite people. We have a, a time that we are born and there's a time that we will die. And Jesus gives the same warning. He told the rich man who made his great plans for the future and foolishly lost it all when his soul was required. He also says the same thing. He says, don't build your house on the sandy land. Build it on the rock so when the storm comes, you will be ready. Amen? And this is number two today. Life is uncertain because everyone has a time. Life is uncertain because everyone has a time. We have to remember that life is short no matter how many years you live. Don't be deceived in thinking you have X amount of years. Don't bank on if you're 20 that you're going to live to 90. If you're 50 that you will see 75. If you're 5 that you will see age 50. Everybody has a time and God knows the time. Don't bank on, oh, my grandmother, my aunts and uncles live to 90, so I'm going to live to 90. Just last week I was at a memorial service for a family who lost um, young lady lost her mother. Her mother was only 58 years old, and she was, she was healthy, and she was fine. And then, unfortunately, the doctors are saying that she uh, had an enlarged heart, and she passed away. And it was a sad time for the family. And uh, I did the memorial service for the, the young daughter here in Toronto because her mother lives in uh, an island back home. And I have done, personally, funerals for a 30-year-old that died. I have been and done the service of a 40-year-old. I have done funerals for 60, 70, 80, 90, so forth. We just can't bank on time. Look at today, some of your basketball fans, Kobe Bryant passed away at 41, and everyone is shocked about that. And we cannot think that just because everyone else might be living longer and so forth, that that is going to be the case for us. James says we are here and then we're gone. And we have to be ready. We have to be ready. And so this is why he says in verse 15, instead, this is what we should be saying to ourselves. You ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So James is saying, again, plan your life, include God in your plans, let God lead you, trust God's grace, not your plans, and why shouldn't we trust our ways anyways? Why shouldn't we trust our plans? 
Because the truth is, we don't make good decisions without God. Amen? You know, some of us, you think about your life, you're just like, why did I date that person? Why did I uh, book that vacation? Why did I take that job? Don't say, why did I marry this person? You know, that, that's not good. You had time, okay, to think about it. Um, you know, without God's guidance, we're going to do the wrong things. Let me tell you. And this is number three today. As you want to live your best life for God, make life choices based on the will of God. Amen? Make life choices based on the will of God. So James was encouraging the people to change how they make their decisions. Rather than saying, this is what I'm going to do, this is my plan, he was challenging the people to say, if this is God's will, then we will do this or that. And I want you to think about your life. What does this or that look like? What major decisions do you have to make right now in your life? What does this or that mean in this scripture for you? And this is good and godly advice because we have to make if we have to make a major decision in life, it's good to see God. Amen? It is good to inquire of the Lord and ask God, is this your will? Is this what you want for me? Uh, the Apostle Paul lived like this. If you can just show the next slide here. Look at the way the Apostle Paul speaks. He says in Acts chapter 18, I will return again to you, God willing. All right? 1 Corinthians 4.19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And then 1 Corinthians 16.7 says, I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. And so you can see here, the Apostle Paul had a lot of maturity because everything he did and everything he wanted to do for God, he always kept asking the question, if this is God's will, if God's going to permit this, if this, if this is what God is going to open the door, Amen. And so God is saying to us as well that we need to make our life choices based on the doors that God opens and based on the doors that God closes. A good example of this is February 2020, there was an opportunity for me to go to Turkey for an educational tour. And so back in November, I began to make plans. I began to pray about it. I, I needed to get my money ready and all together. And as time was getting closer, different unexpected bills came up, you know, winter tires, brake job. And then I was thinking, well, maybe this is not the time. But I was thinking about it and praying about it, and I was getting excited. And then uh, in mid-December, we got an email from the leader of the group saying, unfortunately, due to low registration, the trip was going to be canceled. So when I read the email, I was disappointed. But at the same time, I realized that this was just not the right time to go. And it was God's will. In fact, the director said in the email, it is the will of God. And some of you, if you're watching the news, you would have heard that Turkey, unfortunately, had an earthquake this week. And they're still dealing with uh, that challenge there. In life, if God says move, then move forward. If God says stop, we need to stop. If God says wait, then we should wait. Amen? We have to be careful not to let our ambition, our desires, get in the way of God's plan. We have to be very careful. We have to be very careful and say, we can't say things like, I'm going to do this no matter what. We will pay for that. We will pay for that poor decision if God is not included. And we have to be careful not to say to people um, that this is God's will and it's not. So we have to really pray and be sure that this is the will of God. How do you know, how, so how does God's counsel or will work in our life? Here are some examples. Like if you're, dating, if you're in a dating relationship and it's not working, 
then maybe God is allowing this to happen because there's someone else in store for you. Amen? Uh, when you apply for a job and you don't get it, maybe God knows that this company is not suitable for you. Uh, maybe you're applying for a bank loan because you want to start up a business or do something with the money, and God is saying, no, this is not the time, and you don't get the bank loan. A closed door could be God's will in your life. So when things are not going your way, it does not mean it's a bad thing. Maybe it's God's will. On the other side, when God opens a door, this could be God's will. When you meet someone and it's going well, or you get a job, or you get the loan to start the business, or you get the apartment you're waiting for, or the house you've been waiting for, or someone cancels their surgery and then you get bumped up so you can have the surgery, or you get married, or you're having a baby, these are doors that God can open, amen? When I worked in a retail store uh, back in uh, 2005 to 2000 and uh, well, it was longer than that, I think. Yeah, well, 2005, uh, back in 2000, actually, I started working at a retail store. And after five years, in 2005, the general manager came to me and said, there's a position opened at the head office. Would you like to apply? Well, first of all, I was flattered that she asked me because I thought, okay, this is head office. So I work at the retail store. So I prayed about it, but I was really scared. But I went to the interview. I thought, you know, this, this interview went horrible. But the next day, the manager called me and said, we want to offer you the job. Okay, great. I ended up working at the, that place at the head office from 2005 to 2010 for five years. And when I got there, I found out it was a created position. This position had always been full-time, now it's part-time. And uh, this was perfect because then I got to do my master's and then go to uh, work in the morning and get paid. And the money was twice the amount I was making back at the retail store. And I knew and understood that God had opened a door for me. Amen? Amen. And so the doors that open or close in your life could be God's will. I want you to think about that. Don't fight God. We have to remember that we are in partnership with the Lord. We are working with God. And sometimes we have a dictatorship um, relationship with the Lord. We're like, God, you need to do this. You need to do this for me. You better have this done by next week. And we have to remember, who's the master here? It's God, right? He is the one that's in control. He's the one that's sovereign. He's the one that can tell the wind to be quiet. You know, we have to remember who we're talking to. And so I want to encourage you today, don't fight God. Work with the Lord. Listen to God. Pray about it and let God lead you to make your decisions. So James wants us to include God in our plans. And he wants us to do the will of God. And then he says in verse 16, and this is important today, he says, as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. So James is talking about the mouth again, and he's saying, you know what? You go and you make your plans and you're doing your own thing. You're not including God. And then you get success and you have all this accomplishment. And then you're going around bragging about it to other people. And these plans did not include the counsel of God. James says, this is evil. And so, why did he say that? This is a pretty strong word. Because he was saying, what, what God is really saying here is that you seek the praise of people rather than the praise of God. Amen. 
And so we have to ask ourselves this question. When you do something in your life, are you looking for people to pat you on the back or are you seeking God's approval? What is your motive behind what you do? You know, did you buy the house, marry this person, travel to those countries, put your kids in private school, wear the clothes that you wear just to impress people, just to be better than your family or friends, just to get a pat on the back? This is number four today. Don't boast or brag about your accomplishments, which excluded God's input, because it is evil. It is wrong. James says when you do this, it's wrong. Because for him and for us, boasting should not be a light matter. It is serious. And again, he's addressing the church. He says, church family, why are you behaving as if like God does not exist and you're making all these plans when really you should be praying about the plans that God has for you? That's what he's saying to the church. He's like, this is not the right attitude. It is the wrong attitude to have. I read an article about a young girl who had the goal to travel to 100 countries before age 30. And she wrote in the blog how she traveled and she was now 20 countries away from the 100th country. Looking back, she said, I probably spent over six figures. She said she'd be traveling and she'd see locals struggling to eat and then here she was blowing off her money. And then she said, it would be so cool to tell people uh, that I went to 100 countries before age 30. And she realized that the only reason she was doing it was to impress people. Here's what she said. Wouldn't hitting up 100 countries be the cherry on the top? I mean, sure, it sounds cool. I'm sure some people would be impressed by it. But honestly, the only reason I was doing it, and that is a pretty dumb reason. Amen. We need to evaluate our plans. We need to bring our plans before God and say, Lord, is this your will for me? Do you want me to make this decision right now? Should I move forward? Should I wait? Should I stop? And we need to evaluate why are we doing what we're doing? Is it because we want to boast and brag? James is very clear to us tonight in the word of God. Boasting and bragging is evil. It's wrong. And then he wraps up this passage and says in verse 17, Anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it actually sins. So we know that doing wrong is a sin, but James says sin is also not doing what is right. And this is number five. Do what is right because if you don't, you have committed a sin. Sometimes we call these two types of sins. It's the sin of commission and the sin of omission. Both are problematic. For example, we know lying is a sin, but it's also a sin to know the truth and not say anything. It's a sin to speak evil against someone, but it's also a sin to avoid him or her when you know that they might need help. So we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. And if we're not doing it, we are sinning. So for example, if God calls you and directs you to give money to someone and you don't do it, that's wrong. If you're in your home and you're going through your house and you realize you have so many things, I'm sure all of us do this, and you know, God's telling you you should donate this clothing piece to someone or furniture to someone, and you hear the voice of God and you don't do it, that's wrong. If God calls you to serve in the church and you don't do it, that's wrong. 
If you're married and God calls you to help your spouse, make them a meal, do an error for him or her, and you don't do it, that's wrong. If you know you have to go to someone and you wrong them and you need to say sorry to them and you're not, you have the, a pride issue and you're holding uh, this grudge, that's wrong. The same thing is you know you need to forgive someone and you don't do it, it's wrong. If God has directed you to do a kind act, to do a service or restore a relationship and we don't do it, this is a sin. And so I say to you sincerely and on a serious note, what good thing are you supposed to do that God is asking you to do? And have you been making excuses like, Lord, I don't have time. Lord, I'm too busy. Lord, I don't want to give up this. What is God directing you to do and will you choose to do it? God is calling us to do the right thing and not to sin. And uh, back in November, I had ordered some. This is a story I'm going to share now. Back in November, I had ordered some items because I was going to a baby shower, and um, <clears throat> all, the, all the items came in except one item didn't come in. And so the company still charged me $23.79. So I called the company, I emailed the company, I said there's a charge for $23.79, and um, you know, you know, this product never came. And um, when I tried to call them, actually, I couldn't get through because it was now the busy time before December. So I'd emailed them several times, and they had told me I was not charged and um, that that was not true. So I finally called my bank because you can call your bank and dispute a charge. So Because it was bothering me. I didn't have this item. or I don't know how many of you are like me, but I didn't have this item. And they charged me $23.79, and so that bothered me. So I called the bank and I disputed the charge and I said, I have proof. And, I, and so the gentleman on the phone said, no, I understand and we're going to adjust it. Okay, thank you very much. I was really happy. And so that was November 9th, okay? That was last year. This week on Wednesday, I get an email from the retail store I bought the items from saying, oh, we got your email. First of all, this is January, okay? This is all back in November. And so I was not impressed. So anyways, they were probably trying to get all through their emails. So they wrote back to me, you were not charged, <laughs> okay? And so now I'm very upset because this is a principal issue for me. You're saying I wasn't charged, but I was. So I wrote them an email and said, um, my bank actually reversed the charge because you guys were not able to get back to me on time. And by the way, I was charged. I took a screenshot of the order I took a screenshot of my visa bill statement. I made a little arrow and showed them that I was charged. And then I sent the email to the company. And so that was on Wednesday this week. Now, Friday morning, I went to my bank account to check my visa activity. And I could see the retail store refunded me. There were like 10 lines of $2, okay? It wasn't like refund $23.79. Somebody went in and manually put $2.50 and then $5 and all these lines. And I'm like, hold up now. So now I have a refund from the bank and I have a refund from the retail store, right? So some people would say, well, Pastor Tina, that's not your problem. You got double dipping, you got double blessings. You should just uh, take the money uh, call, it a, call it a day, you know, they wasted your time anyways, and so forth. But the thing is, like, it just didn't sit well with me that I had these two refunds. It was bother, bothering me. And so here, and here I was writing the last point of this sermon as well as I was thinking about what to do. 
And so I called the bank and I said, you know, this is going to sound weird, but can you just put back the 2379? And the guy on the phone's like, no, we can't do that. Like, you should call the retail store. And I'm like, really? Okay, so, <coughs> excuse me. So I emailed the retail store and I said, um, I want to read it what I said here. Um, Thank you for refunding me, but due to my integrity, I have now received two refunds. <laughs> now, if you'd like to keep the charge as a customer service gesture, because I used to work customer service as well, then you may, but if you want to refund it, then do so. I was telling my sister the story, my, my younger sister, and she's like, they're gonna think you're crazy. You're asking for a refund, now you're asking them to put the charge back on. Yeah, anyways. But, and that was Friday. I sent the email on Friday, I haven't heard from them. But as soon as I sent the email, I felt a peace in my heart. Because for me, I needed to clear my conscience. Amen. And this is what James is talking about. He's talking about, you know the good you should be doing, and if you don't do it, you sin. And I say to you today, tonight, what good are you supposed to do, and are you going to do it because God wants you to do it? Amen? This year, live your best life. Include God in your plans. Know that your time can be whenever God calls you. Do the will of God. Number four, don't boast and break. And number five, do what is right. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, passage of Scripture. We thank you that James is a practical person that wrote uh, the Word of God to give us practical wisdom, godly wisdom, Lord, to help the church and even to us today. And we pray that we will take what we've heard tonight seriously. We pray that when we leave this place, God, that we will do what you've called us to do and that we will not um, brush the voice of God and not brush the Holy Spirit aside, but we will take seriously the things you're calling us to do. And we thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you for the people that have come. And we pray, God, that we'll reflect on our, our personal life, our personal goals, and may we remember, God, to add you in our priorities, to make you first, uh, to say to you, Lord, do you want me to do this? Is this something that you're calling me to do? Or, or should I make this decision? We pray, God, that we would not exclude you because we have to know that you can change our plans at any time. So, Lord, give us wisdom, give us grace, give us opportunity, and may you bless us tremendously. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>